You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. And today I am down in sunny, hot, dry Phoenix for a really cool event called Body, Sex, and Business. It's a mastermind retreat for women run by Deborah Burnoff. And I arrived, uh, you know, overnight early. So I actually deliver my programming tomorrow. So I just finished an amazing hike, a challenging hike, (laughs) up Camelback Mountain. And now I'm back here in Scottsdale prepping for tomorrow's event. And uh, my next stops are in New York and Dallas starting this weekend. So perhaps I will see you in your city over the next few days. Now this episode is brought to you by Desire Resorts and Cruises. Please come set sail on a clothing-optional adults-only experience from Barcelona to Rome with me and Brandon and many others you might know at the end of April this year. So yeah, we're leaving from Barcelona and the itinerary looks really great. There are actually only a handful of cabins left, so go get them while the getting's good. Today, I'm going to be answering more listener questions about sex and relationships. And we've received really a boatload of questions lately. This is a cool feature. I didn't know if it would work when we put it out there, but it's it's going well. I'm having trouble keeping up. So what I'm trying to do is categorize the questions thematically so that I can answer related questions all at once and kind of put them together. Because even though the questions are similar... People seem to have different concerns and come from different perspectives. So in the past few weeks, I've received a number of emails and questions with regard to fantasy during sex. And they have a lot in common, which tells me that the concerns are you know, relatively serious for many people out there. And these questions that I've received tie in with the topic of my TED Talk, Monogamish. Now, if you're not familiar with my TED Talk from TEDx Vancouver, uh, I'll tell you a bit about it now. So it's called Monogamish. It's the single piece of media or content that elicits the most hate mail. (laughs) And I guess I hope it remains so. Not because I want more hate mail, but meaning that I don't want to produce something else that gets people just as angry at me. And what's interesting is that I, I even toned this version down for the, for the TED audience. But uh, people are pretty angry about this TED Talk. And I'm called everything from a dumb porn star to a pedophile. I don't even know how they got either of those in there. So anyhow, you can watch, watch the talk if you'd like. I read the comments by accident once, totally by accident. And I burst it out in tears. <laughs> so I've never been back to the YouTube page, but you can go to it. Uh, you're probably more concerned with the content of the talk than my personal experience with it. So to sum it up, in monogamish, I argue that this state of the modern relationship is potentially in a state of crisis, drawing from and based upon divorce rates, marital satisfaction rates, and infidelity statistics. And I argue that so-called pure monogamy the notion of only having eyes for one soulmate forever and ever is unrealistic for most people. 
if you want some, you know, degree of excitement and a hot sex life. And open relationships work with similar outcomes to monogamous ones. That's what the data says, as you'll know from, I think, last week's podcast we talked about this. But open relationships or consensual non-monogamy is not for everyone. And so in this talk, I present an alternative option, not a solution, but an option that I call monogamish. And this is the middle ground between monogamy and consensual non-monogamy. And it involves, you know, maybe looking at other people or thinking about other people, maybe even interacting in a flirtatious but honest way with other people and sharing these experiences with your partner to heighten the connection, to promote growth, to ignite passion in the relationship. So if you want more, go watch the talk. It's called Monogamish. Uh, don't read the comments, and if you do, just don't send them to me. <laughs> so I will get on to our listener questions that are related to this topic because they relate to fantasizing about other people. So we're going to start with two questions from the same listener. This is Otanya, 29. She says I can use her name and age. And she asks, if you are having sex with your boyfriend and your mind wanders away and you picture someone else, what does that mean? Well, I would say it means you're perfectly normal and you're excited by novelty, you're excited by challenge, you're turned on by the unknown. And just like we dream about a range of partners and scenarios and lifestyles, our fantasies reflect the same desire for variety. So I don't think it means anything specific uh, universally. And, and Tanya also asks, so is it worse to visualize someone's, someone else's face or to just think of them? If I literally think about another person's body or face, I feel like maybe it's worse. And that that's interesting. I don't think, I mean, I've said this before, I'm not the arbiter of your relationship, but I don't believe that one is necessarily worse than the other. As I said, I think it's healthy to fantasize about people other than your partner. And I know it can seem like a scary concept, especially if you reverse the roles and you think about them fantasizing about someone else. But really, the couples whose relationships have stood the test of time, especially those who still have hot sex lives 10, 20, 30, 40 years in, they attest to the fact that a willingness to simply push comfort zones, so you're uncomfortable but you try it anyway, that this willingness is the key to a lasting and exciting sexual relationship. And some people have said to me uh, in these in these groups I work with, I remember a woman saying that She's not comfortable fantasizing about another man, but she will fantasize about her husband 30 years ago, or she'll fantasize about an encounter they had in the past. So, I mean, everybody finds the balance that works for them. And again, I don't write the rules in your relationship. You do, along with your partner. And, and normally I'd say it's up to both of you to decide what is appropriate to the relationship, but... When it comes to thought and controlling thoughts, I don't know that your partner really gets a say in what you think about. And I think trying to regulate a partner's fantasy or your own 
will probably do more harm than good. And this makes me think of the white bear experiments that are probably worth examining in relation to this question. So if you haven't heard of the white bear experiments, their findings suggest that the very act of trying to suppress a thought only results in a higher frequency of its occurrence. So the reoccurrence of this thought that you're trying to suppress is called the rebound effect. And with the white bear experiments, the study divided participants into two groups. One group was told not to think of a white bear for five minutes. So don't think of a white bear. And then they were told they could think of anything they wanted, including white bears, for the next five minute interval. The second group was simply told they could think of anything including white bears for five minutes. And the first group, the group that was told to suppress a thought, haha, thought about white bears more often. So there's this suggestion and some body of evidence suggesting that simply trying to suppress a thought or a fantasy actually has the opposite effect. And we know that there's power in secrecy and there's excitement in suppression. So in terms of trying to control what you think about, you might be better off not to bother. So yeah, so I wouldn't worry about your thoughts and what they mean to the relationship overall. I wouldn't say that thinking about someone else is a universal sign that something is awry. And our next question is from a listener in Detroit who wants to know if I'm thinking about someone else in bed, so along the same lines, if I'm thinking about someone else in bed doesn't mean my relationship isn't going to last, should I just end it now? No, I'd say no. Um, as I just said, it's not a universal sign that your relationship is hanging by a thread. I know it's scary. I know it can make you or your partner feel threatened or insecure or jealous to acknowledge that, you know, there are other people out there. I get that. But this is an interesting question, and I'm a little more concerned with what you're not telling me. I'm wondering, is it really the fact that you're thinking about someone else in bed that's making you question the relationship? Uh, or is there something else in this relationship that's concerning you and you're fixating on this one issue because of our, I think, monogamously obsessed culture? Uh, I'm wondering if you're thinking about this to avoid dealing with something else that's bugging you in the relationship. But if I were to take your question just at face value, uh, thinking about other people in an erotic way actually can have the opposite effect on your relationship if you have a foundation of love and trust and reassurance. Because when you admit to feelings or thoughts that, again, make you uncomfortable, if you admit this to a partner and then they meet you with love and understanding and support, even if they don't like it, we know, again, from a previous episode, I talked about the formula for intimacy. This is it. This makes me nervous. Let me help you with it. Boom, intimacy. <laughs> and really having tough conversations in which one or, or both of you has to say, you know, I feel a little threatened or I feel a little jealous or I need your reassurance here. This also cultivates more intimacy, which lays the groundwork for eroticism within the context of 
a happy, predictable, stable relationship. So I actually think that thinking about someone else can have can be a positive sign, especially if you can create an opportunity to be open with your partner to some degree. Again, you don't have to tell them every little detail. Uh, I do suppose that, I guess the flip side, you might be concerned if you're only turned on by one thing, if this thought is required to always get you off. But this could be the case with any fantasy. And it's really, again, not universally concerning as long as you're with a partner who's willing to work at it with you. And that's, again, a matter of compatibility. Now, if you're consistently fantasizing about someone and you feel an emotional attachment to them, so maybe this is someone you work with, someone you spend a lot of time with, then it might be time to re-examine that relationship, uh, depending on the agreement in your relationship. And of course, everybody has different rules. I know many of my listeners are monogamous and many are somewhere in between and many are also in consensually non-monogamous relationships. But if you're in a you know monogamous relationship and this attraction or excitement is making you uncomfortable, uh, you could re-examine that relationship. You could even cut it off. But having harmless crushes come in and out in your life, in and out of your life is, is normal. Even when you're in a committed, happy relationship, it's normal to be excited by something new and unknown. And sometimes they say the best way to get over a crush, of course, is to get to know the person because, you know, once you get to know them, they're just not as exciting. I also was reading some research suggesting that these crushes, if they're managed in a reasonable, ethical way can actually be good for your relationship as they start these more meaningful, deep conversations. So I hope that helps with with your concern. And I know I went off on a bit of a tangent, so indulge me there. Okay, we have more similar questions. A listener from Vancouver, ooh, a Canadian, asks, if I get off thinking about someone else, if I get off thinking about someone else, is it cheating? Oh, well, you all know what I'm going to say. Cheating is something that you have to define with your partner. Uh, If you and your partner really believe that you'll only be turned on by one person for the rest of your life, that's okay. That could be hot. That can work. I don't think it works for most people. I, I think, you know, if this is your expectation, it can be a challenge. I think that, you know, it's a struggle to only be attracted to one person only be turned on by one person. And I I do think that some people actually stay together in sexless marriages, even though they they don't work to make it compatible. They think they stay together because the prospect of breaking up seems scarier than actually working on their sex lives. But you're here, you're listening, so you're willing to work and that puts you ahead of of the game. So uh, the bottom line is what constitutes cheating for one person may be perfectly acceptable for another. So the key is talking about it openly with your partner and embracing those vulnerable feelings like jealousy and insecurity uh, instead of projecting or withdrawing or lashing out. And if you haven't listened to uh, the podcast on intimacy, I talk a lot about jealousy and I think it's worth going back to that episode as well. Uh, I, I would like to see every couple answer some really tough questions and I have a list of them that I'll, that will be coming out in a in a video course soon before you move in together before you get married it's fine to do it when you're 5 10 15 years 20 years in but I would love to see this happen earlier and I think with young people 
they're more on board with the understanding that relationships are a matter of work and they're willing to invest hopefully from the get-go and again not just invest in your wedding but invest in your marriage or your partnership or however you define it okay our next question this one's anonymous no name or city it says is it okay (laughs) okay similar is it okay to fantasize about a celebrity or someone I don't know again this is up to the couple but Fantasizing about a celebrity or talking about it with your partner is often, you know, one of the most effective and safe ways to acknowledge that you are sexual. Not just sexual when you're with your partner, but you're a sexual human being. Uh, A celebrity crush, I think, is easier because you're unlikely to ever meet that person. And even if you meet them, the likelihood of hooking up with them is pretty low. So I actually think this is a great way to, to explore monogamous territory. And I think most of us are far less threatened by a distant image, no matter how shiny it is, than by someone you know personally. And so even when you're sharing fantasies with your partner, you don't have to give every detail. I I don't think anyone's entitled to see inside your brain (laughs) and know everything you think. God, I mean, if, if anyone saw inside my brain, I don't... I don't think anyone would be married to me, right, Brandon? And uh, I don't don't know if any of you would listen to me if you saw inside my brain. Uh, We all have kind of wild thoughts. So, yeah, I I wouldn't worry about thinking about a celebrity. Oh, this is a different take. This person asks, "Uh, I think our sex life is good. I enjoy it, but sometimes I think about another dude. Does this mean the sex is actually bad? No. No. You get to decide if the sex is good or bad, and you just told me it's good. Not every encounter is going to be a 10 out of 10, uh, but it might, you know, maybe be an indication that you're craving some variety or novelty, and this is the perfect opportunity to talk to your partner about your needs. If you're not getting exactly what you want in bed, you can speak up and do it constructively. I always start with the, I love when you do this. I'd also like to try this. What do you think? People run into problems around sex and in life, in relationships, because they wait until they're upset to bring up their concerns. And they they bring up their concerns in the heat of anger, in the heat of frustration, in the heat of insecurity, instead of just knowing that, hey, we can actually talk about this stuff. And starting from a positive place, right? Say, I really would like this as opposed to, you never do this. Simple language. And we use it, I think, in every other realm of our lives quite effectively. And when it comes to sex, we struggle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Go ahead and think about another dude. And, of course, talk to your partner about what you're looking for. This next person is concerned about, ooh, this person says, I seem to think about my mentors, my bosses, my teachers in sexual ways. Do I need therapy? Hmm. Well, I think we can all benefit from therapy, but I don't think that these thoughts in and of themselves are problematic. I mean, if you find these thoughts distressful or they interfere in your daily functioning, it might be helpful to speak to a professional, but you should know that it's normal to feel attracted to people in positions of power. And people in positions of power should should be aware of this and be cognizant and be careful with this. And I mean, there are many theories as to why we're attracted to teachers and mentors and bosses. Um, I mean, the idea of relinquishing control 
can be really erotic. There's so much pressure when it comes to sexual performance that taking on a submissive or student role can help to increase our ability to be present by reducing this pressure. And people in positions of power can make us feel safe. And some people are really turned on by safety. People in positions of power can also make us feel threatened. And some of us are turned on by a sense of danger. Now, instead of worrying, I say, why not play this out in the bedroom with your partner? You might be craving more dominance and submission in your sex life. So yeah, talk about it. And I think to answer your question maybe more clearly, thinking about a teacher or a boss is not cause for concern or an indication that you should see a therapist uh, unless these thoughts are distressful or interfering with your daily life. Then certainly seek additional support. All right, finally, this person wants to know if men or women are more likely to think about someone other than their partner in bed. Hmm, well, the research says that it depends. Fantasies differ slightly between men and women, and they classify men's fantasies as more lustful, noting that men think about a greater number of partners and tend to value visual images as more important than touch itself. The reason, and of course, there's great variety among men. They're not all the same. Women are more likely to fantasize about the response of their lover. I feel that. I, I think I'm like that. And the themes tend to involve more connections. Women also tend to focus on seduction and the content of their fantasies, our fantasies, builds toward explicit sexual activity more slowly. But of course, there's great variation among the sexes. So if your fantasies differ from the research findings, please don't worry. And it's interesting that men fantasize about a greater number of partners, whereas women tend to require more novelty. And so variety versus novelty, uh, people wonder what that means. So variety just means lots of different things. And for women, it means something new. And this makes sense because we do have research showing that sex in the early stages of a relationship uh, is more new and exciting and women are more into it and then it tapers off over time. So with all of those questions, the bottom line is that fantasizing about people other than your partner is really extreme, is extremely common regardless of gender. And monogamy in terms of thought, at least, is unrealistic in most relationships. And now, if it works for you, that's fine. People love to use individual examples to tell me I'm wrong. You know your relationship. Uh, but in most cases, it doesn't work. And what works for one doesn't necessarily work for another. So the bottom line, again, is you have to figure out what you like. And also not just what you like, but why you like it. Like, why do you care? about your partner thinking about someone else. How does it make you feel? Everything comes back to feelings, right? What is the underlying feeling with a desire, with a fear, with a boundary, even with a conflict, if you feel as though you're at an impasse with a partner, you can always go back to the question of, okay, how do I feel? Yeah, and but why? Why do I feel this way? What is my perhaps underlying fear or my hot thought that drives my belief system or my desire or my emotion. So I went over my 20 minutes and I try and keep these to 20 minutes because I know y'all are busy. 
So I'm going to stop there. I actually have more questions on this topic. But I'll stop there with thanks to Desire Resorts and Cruises for their support of this episode. Again, join me in April sailing from Barcelona. It's going to be a good one. And if you folks have more questions, please send them our way. Share this podcast, please, and follow along on all social media at Sex with Dr. Jess. Thanks so much and have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.